Welcome to In Support of Families. This is Emily Penrod. My guest today is my friend Curtis Banks, the author of the book, The Book on Money Management. And I am proud to say I'm an owner of his book and very impressed. Curtis, I'm curious as to how you came to write a book like that. Hi, Emily. Thank you for extending an invitation to me to be on your program today. I am so excited about what you're doing and offering some of my advice on money management to you as well as to your audience. I got started when I got my first position in the workforce. I started earning money and I had prepared myself to be a good wage earner and over the first 10 years, what I come to realize is I was really good at making money, but I wasn't very good at managing it. And after first 10 years, I looked at my finances and realized that all I had left was a bunch of expenses and debt. I had made a considerable amount of money over that 10-year period, but I had none of it left. And that began my journey to learning a better way to manage my money and ultimately led to the book on money management. So this started some time ago. You've been working more than 10 years. <laughs> yes, it did. I have been in the workforce for roughly 41 years. Tell me about the job you have now. I, I've seen your posts on Facebook, uh, you've done some noteworthy, th newsworthy things. Thank you for that. And I am finishing up a 37 and a half year career with a Fortune 500 company. And I manage service planning and demand management for a significant part of that business. What I focus on is is understanding the demand for services and the capacity and work to avoid spending money and saving money on where we spend money on, on physical assets. And over the last five years, we have avoided spending over $200 million. Wow. You saved your company a lot of money. And families could follow that model. I'm, I, I can see where you're going with this. Yes. And the book has the basic principles. And I used concepts from the book and the work environment that mm -hmm. those same practices from the book have enabled the avoidance of spending over $200 million over the last five years. And you started, you mentioned that you were, had been in the workforce for 10 years and you're a family man, so you're, you were learning these principles as you were providing for a family, correct? That is correct. So I, after the first 10 years, and it was pretty challenging, the last three years of that 10 were quite challenging. As I made more money, I spent more money, uh -huh. and I created more debt. I had a part-time job through most of those uh, last three years. And every time I got a new part-time job that made more money, I spent more money. Uh -huh. And the problem just got bigger and bigger. 
So the amount of money I was making was not the problem. It was what I was doing or not doing with that money that created the problem. The managing of the money. Yes. Or in this case, the lack of managing the money. All right. <laughs> and I think that's something a lot of families want to hear. How do you end up, how do you prevent running out of money before you run out of month? How do you make that dollar stretch? That's a very good question. And here's how I would approach it in that I had to first come to realize that I had did a really good job of preparing to be in the workforce and to earn a lot of money. However, I had little, very little training on how to manage the money that I made. And that was the aha moment for me when I looked at my situation after the first 10 years. It took quite a bit of soul searching and to, to come to the realization that I hadn't adequately prepared myself to be a good money manager. So where did you get your training? I read a lot of books. <laughs> I tried all of the accounting uh, manuals that showed how to record your income and expenses and where your money was going. And some of them very complicated. I ended up taking an accounting course. I took uh, economics. I read all the books. And this was after the first 10 years. And so I just dove in and then realized that there isn't a system in the marketplace. The education and the system, you uh, wasn't going to find it in one book. Yeah. In fact, I didn't find it, all the answers in 10 books. Uh -huh. And in all of the material that I looked at. So it was, it was pretty clear to me that I had to come up with a system, design a system that would work for me. So there wasn't one out there, and and no, you you haven't mentioned a mentor, someone who could say just do it the way I'm doing it. I didn't find a mentor that would could show me the that would show me the basics. I did find mentors in the area of real estate and stock investing, as I created capacity in my money management to be able to put some into these forms of investments, they start to yield some significant results. And the, that's where the mentors helped me. As I began to put more into investments, I started to realize that I had other areas where money wasn't effectively put to use. And as I created more capacity for investments, my overall financial position just continued to get better. So it sounds like this is a combination of knowing how to cut expenses or save money and then knowing how to invest it and where to invest it. Right. And in the book, I talk about the three secrets of money management. Okay. And once you get these three secrets understood, they provide you with the understanding to maximize your earning potential, to keep more of the money that you make, to grow what you keep, and to build a foundation for wealth. And I learned those three secrets over time. And over the last, let's say the last 10 years, they really became clear. And I didn't start out knowing those three secrets. Uh, I cre They came to mind to me 
as I began to ask, what is it that's really working and why is it working? Uh And those three secrets came to mind for me and I matured them over the last 10 years and they were fundamental, fundamental to how you manage your money. And, and it starts with knowing what's important to you. That is interesting. I think a lot of life starts with knowing what's most important. Yes. Parenting, yes. And an example would be when you be before you become a parent, you spend you you your money goes to a lot of different places. As soon as you become a parent, some portions of your money shift from those places over to your children. Yes. And and that happens because your children become more important than some of the other things you were doing. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Yes, it does. And probably the same with your time. Yes, it does. It, that exactly. would change how you allocate your time. And I think most parents today face a big challenge with managing money. The cost of raising a child, I know, keeps going up over the years. I've heard the calculations, and I last I heard, I believe it's about a quarter of a million dollars. But there are some families who not only face these typical problems that all parents deal with, but if they have a child with special needs, some kind of a disability, those costs can skyrocket. I also read recently that families with a child with severe or moderate autism, their cost of raising the child could be $1.4 million. And that's just birth to age 18. That is not talking about college. It's just the care, the feeding, clothing, And in the case of a child with severe disability, there would be medication, therapy, additional medical expenses. What advice do you have for parents who are strapped for time and strapped for money? I can imagine that for for those who have children that require over and above medical can be quite challenging. Uh, We have five children of our own and we raised them and it, it causes you to think differently about how you manage your money and where you allocate your money. Yes. And you have to think about your children from the time they're from birth through college so that they have a, a great start in life and knowing a skill set that will allow them to be, productive in their own way and also to earn a living while they're being productive. Now, are any of your children still in college or? Our youngest uh, is in college and uh, all the others are, are done. Some, some decided not to go to college and some chose to go to college, but for those who did, uh, their college was covered. You mean you were able to uh, save enough or invest enough that Or did they get scholarships or both? Um, Both. It's a combination of both, right? And scholarships are great. Oh, they are. 
they scholarships are like free money. Yeah. You don't have to pay it back. Yeah. And so are grants. So scholarships and grants. And so you always you always want to look at what programs are offered yeah. by by either the universities or or hospitals or or the state or the federal government. There are programs that offer grants and there are oftentimes people who have endowments and uh, other kind of uh, other methods where they provide a helping hand to those who, who are in need. Always look for those type of grants and or scholarships. And that's true, not only for college and university, but there are government agencies designed to help families with children with disabilities. And it's good to be aware of what is available in your locality. But I wrote a blog about some of the resources that are available for parents. And if they go to those links and check those, they will find that there are agencies, nonprofit organizations that have set up services for parents with children with special needs. So I, I like that. I like that. Just be aware of what's available, looking for every possible, any option, any offering, knowing what it is and using it. Yes. And that supplements your focus as a parent on managing your money so that your priorities are met. And in this case, your child is a, is your highest priority. And yes. and creating your your financial landscape in a way that allocates a portion of your income to your highest priority is is fundamental. And I, I would also add that as you're earning money, you want to really focus on not only now but also in the longer term. So establish investments that will grow over time. And as the needs increase, in fact, as children gets older, that get older, the the cost goes up. It does. <laughs> and so having investments in place that will grow over time, compounding interest as well as equity growth are really good ways of leveraging the money you make today for the longer term. And and, you know, I've heard that several times that if you, you know, they compare someone who started saving when they were in their 20s to someone who started saving when they were in their 40s. And even if the younger person saved a smaller amount, does your book cover that? I cover it to some extent. I don't give a whole lot of math equations in the book, okay. but what I, uh, I do cover some portions of it. And I also cover in the book the fact that if you're, if you make $60,000 a year and you work for 40 years, you're going to make multiple millions of dollars, right? You're going yeah. to, you, you will make over $2.4 million over that period of time. And if you, if you think about it, not just for now, but not just about 60, but think about the 2.4, if you were to just save 10% of that and set it aside into some investment that grows at a reasonable percentage over that 40-year period, uh, that investment will certainly outpace the total amount that you will have made 
over the 40 years, which is 2.4, that amount would exceed that 2.4 million through compounding of interest as well as appreciation over the period of time. And I do share examples like that in when I'm teaching and mentoring. Uh, there were just so much that I could put in the book. And I began to touch on these topics about your earning potential over your lifetime and how to manage your money. In the training, I teach more in depth and I make it more real to the individuals based on their scenarios. Okay, you mentioned the training. I know you wrote the book and you also offer classes. Tell us about those. Are they online, in person, or both? I, I do both. Online, I do a, a, a basically a free webinar. It's called Money Smart Tune-Up. And it's about one hour. And I walk through the fundamentals of the three secrets and share concepts and strategies during that one hour. I also offer a, a program called Money Smart Intensive. And the Money Smart Intensive is a four-week program that walks through the three secrets and it also provides you with the templates and the guides to put into practice what I've learned over the last 35 years uh -huh. and to move from where you're perhaps budgeting or attempting to budget to a money allocation approach that focus on your priorities. That sounds better. Money allocation sounds better than budgeting. Yes. Sometimes budgeting gets a, a you know <laughs> a bad reputation. Well, it 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 earned it. And and here's why. When you're budgeting, you're generally managing the money that you're spending. And when you allocate, you set aside the money that you plan to invest, whether it's investing in you or your long-term or your family, it's allocated prior to the expenses. Yeah. And that's what really makes the big difference is that you're allocating your money overall as opposed to just budgeting the expenses. And mm -hmm. most people will get to the point where they're budgeting expenses, which amounts to 70 plus percent of the money they're making is expenses uh -huh. going toward expenses. Just now I'm, I'm thinking of when you started out. So after you'd been working 10 years, I don't know how many children you had by then, but you were heavily in debt. You have this growing family. How did you do it? I, I don't imagine that. Were you able to put aside 10% in the beginning? How did you start? In the first 10 years, I was not saving anything. Yeah. And that, that was the problem, right? Yeah, right, right. And then I mean, as your, your income increased, so did your spending. But yes. when you started, uh, by start I meant when you realized what was happening and that you wanted to change that, what steps, because a lot of parents, especially those with, Children with disabilities just struggling to keep food on the table are wondering, how can I save 10% of my income? I need every bit of it to cover my expenses. Right. 
here's a here's a starting point that I use. I came to a realization that I really didn't know where my money was going. And as I started examining it, I was spending money on things that had no real value for me uh-huh. in the long term. So I was I was buying things because I saw them. I bought things because I thought I wanted them. And then as I started to look around, I looked around in the, my home and and what I came to realize was I had been spending my money on consumer goods and consumables that were not returning any real value over time. Yes. And what I then began to examine was what are those things and what if I stop spending on those things and where would I put the money? So I started to dry up the spending on, on many of these non-value added consumable goods and started to put the money into my long-term retirement. And I began with, uh, with like 2% and then went to 3% and then went to 5% and then 10%. And, and then ultimately I got to a point where it was 30%. Wow. And, and today it's 35%. Uh-huh. That is great. And, and I've heard it also expressed as knowing the difference between needs and wants or yes. determining is this an asset or is it a liability? And if it doesn't produce, you know, income for you, it's a liability. Is that correct? Right. If it produces income, it's an asset. And if, if it costs you money, it's a liability. And in, but in the book, I talk about wealth language. And I have about 11 words that I cover in the book that you want to become really familiar with. And assets and liabilities and expenses and income are part of those, are some of those words, which means that there are some words you want to get rid of, like budget, bills, and as you shift the language and you understand what these words means and meaning you shift the language, it will be shockingly surprising at how your money behavior will change. I, I can believe it. I, you know, I am so impressed with, you know, you kind of pulled yourself up by the bootstraps. You didn't really have anyone. I had the benefit of a mother who went through the Great Depression <laughs> and just drummed into us that we earned any money, we immediately put some in savings, but on your own. That's it's very admirable. You, you should be very thankful that you had someone around who taught you that discipline. Oh, I am. And and it, it really works. The idea of Savings. I know that there are people out there who say, well, the savings rate is so low that why bother? Well, I, I beg differ. I think any amount of money that you make that you don't spend is a good thing and you create capacity for investments and a savings account isn't the only option and you can choose other options. That's true. There are a lot of options right now. Uh, and, and the first step is don't spend the money. Right. Okay. Keep it so that you do have options. <laughs> yes, that's true. Once it's spent, there aren't any. Yes, and and in today's time, I also in the book I talk about some of the ways that people spend money today 
And it's different than when I back in my first 10 years. In today's time, there are so many more options for people to spend their money. For example, you can buy a $4 cup of coffee every day. Yes. Right? Five days a week for $4. And at the end of the week, you will have spent $20. Yeah. Right? And that can't help your finances. It, well, it sounds like the beginning is just mindfulness, just being aware of how you're using your money. Like you said, just buying the one cup of coffee, you may not be thinking about it, but taking a step back and thinking, okay, I get one if, every day, just being aware. Absolutely. And absolutely. So the coffee is one example. Uh-huh. If you bought the cup of coffee and a pastry, and the pastry cost $3. Now your five went to eight. Eight times five is 40. So now you're spending $40 a week. Yeah. And and it doesn't stop there because there are all sorts of other things. So when you go to the grocery store, for example, you get to the checkout and there are all these buying opportunities there. Oh, yes. And even though you may have had a list, but when you get to that counter, there are magazines, there's candy, there's all kinds of stuff. And so there's an opportunity perhaps to spend another $10 at the checkout. Yeah. And if you monitor your own personal behavior and look at your own shopping habits, what you'll find is for most people, you'll find that there are some opportunities to reduce. And if you can find, in the case of the coffee and the pastry, $40 a week that you could put into an investment, it turns out in four weeks of, of, of a month, turns into a pretty sizable amount of money. Yeah, it would. So even just just maybe find one purchase you're re- routinely making that you could do without and then use that money in an investment. Does your book or your, your trainings mention any income-producing ways to... Or is it just, is it, the focus is you earn your money by allocating it, deciding where it goes. In the book, I focus on the fundamentals of how to manage your money and managing your money to build a foundation for wealth. I, my advice on investing is that, one, you do want to invest. And by doing that, you buy assets. And assets are things that pay you. Yes. And before you choose to buy an asset or invest, you want to do three things. One is learn the rules, understand the rules, and then establish a strategy that you can practice. Right. So practice start out so that you learn how things work and what works and what doesn't. And then over time, as your understanding improves and your strategies get more refined, then you can increase your investments. Oftentimes, people talk about investments being risky. Well, what's risky about investing is in, is taking a step and not knowing about the investment, not understanding it, not having practiced it. So the first time somebody shares something with you on the investment, you go out and put a whole lot of money in it, it's not a good idea. Okay. What do you recommend? Learn. So let's let's just take real estate as an example. It's a very good way to start investing. You want to learn learn what investing in real estate is all about. Learn about the options that you have available to you, and understand how it works. 
So for example, if you were to choose rental properties, you'd want to understand what, what the qualification requirements are for financing. You want to understand what their current rate is, interest rate. You want to establish what amount of money are you prepared to pay for the property, what the rents are in that area, and what your cash flow will be, right? So you buy a property with the expectation that it's going to produce income every month and it's going to appreciate over time. You'll want to learn and understand the key elements like the ones I just mentioned and others before you dive in so you understand what you're getting into and reduce the risk. Knowledge reduces risk. I like that. Learn the rules of the game before you try to play. Yes. Yes. And it works that way with with practically everything. People apply it. For example, if you were choosing to become a basketball player, the first thing you want to do is understand the rules. Yeah. People generally get that, and they do, and it applies. And the rules are generally easy to find. What you'll, what you'll discover in this area of finances is that the rules aren't clearly written down anywhere. And you have to take it one subject at a time. And for example, with real estate, if you were to choose to do research on real estate, you'll find a lot of answers. And you'll find that if you go to talk with a real estate agent, they're willing to teach you about real estate from what they know. And then you talk to an investor, you'll learn a slightly different view about real estate. And when you talk to the mortgage uh, company or broker, you'll get a slightly different view. But you have to learn to pull all that together and and make sense of it for you. And it's not complicated. It's just that you want to spend the time to learn it and understand it. That makes sense. So, Curtis, how do people find you? What's your web address? You can find me at moneymanagementbook.com. That's where the book is available, and also my contact information is there. You can also email me at curtis at moneysmarteducation.com. So moneymanagementbook.com is the website, and my email is curtis at moneysmarteducation.com. All right. And I will have these links on my website as well. So people can go there. And I think this is great advice. Emily, I will share also that for those who who buy the book, who download who buy the book from the website, reach out to me and I will offer a free consultation, uh one hour consultation at no cost to you. And They'll get to ask questions, and I'll answer those questions and provide guidance during that, during that session. So you can help them if they're already heavily in debt, they have massive medical and expenses, and that is awesome. Yes. That is, that is a very, that's a very generous offer. Okay, I will have those links on my website. Be sure to check them out. Go to Curtis's website and email him with your questions any other advice you have for parents just stretching to make ends meet you've been there so i I have been the authority i have been there and it it wasn't a pleasant feeling and anyone who's having those 
experiences today. I want you to know that there is hope and there is a better way. And it starts with the book on money management, How to Build a Foundation for Wealth. We offer a path to a better way of managing your money and not just managing it, but creating a foundation for wealth. You have the right to financial freedom. You also have a wealth of knowledge available to you that can help you to make the transition. And I look forward to sharing with you what has worked for me and also the helping you to find your way. And unlike Curtis, who didn't have a mentor, you have an example, someone who has done it and someone who can help you make that same transition. That's awesome. Curtis, thank you so much. Emily, you are welcome. And I am so excited about what you are doing to help people. And anything I can do to help, please reach out. I appreciate that. You have a great day. Thank you, and you as well. 